Hello and welcome to another episode of Empower App Show. I'm your host, Leo Dion. I'm excited today to have uh, Majid Jabrayoff on to talk about Swift UI. Hey, Majid, how you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's probably been a busy week, a lot to digest. What's been your overall impression of DubDub this year? Yeah, really huge changes in terms of Swift UI and iOS development. We have a lot of new things to cover. Yeah, it just it seemed to reiterate the idea and my hope this year that it was just going to be a nice iteration over the big revelation last year. And so I was really thankful to see that. A lot of things that we'd kind of been hoping for that would come, you know, came. And yeah, we have a lot to cover in this episode. So I'm really excited. Overall, what's your impression of like Swift UI this year um, and, and the iterations that they've made? Did did they do everything that was on your wish list? I guess maybe that's that's a good way to ask it. Yeah, most of them, but not everything. Actually, SwiftUI, I was waiting for a new approach in building interfaces for a while. And last year, when I see the SwiftUI, I was thinking that this is the way that I want to use to build apps. Yeah, so it's completely declarative. So we declare what you what we want to achieve and just framework takes care about everything. That's really great. But it was pretty limited. Uh, last year. So this year we saw that uh, Apple uses SwiftUI across the uh, Mac, Mac OS Big Sur to build a control center. We see that Apple uses SwiftUI for building widgets and it makes sense and it gives us new features that Apple released this year. What are some of your favorite new features? I think it's lazy, lazy stacks and lazy grids. Okay. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Overall, like I like the new way that they have set up like getting rid of essentially app delegates. That seemed like a kind of an old way to do things and kind of a hack. I'm really interested in like what how that might limit my apps, but still I think it's a nice clean way of getting apps to work without some of this like honestly objective C cruft that I don't think is necessary anymore. Before we more get into it, I, I want to let you introduce yourself and kind of what you do and what's your expertise. Uh, so I'm in the iOS developer. I build health-related apps for uh, iOS and watchOS. So besides SwiftUI, this is what I've done besides of SwiftUI. But I start to use it since release and just re- rewrite all them all my apps in SwiftUI right now, just to learn it and give you more content. When SwiftUI was first revealed last year, do you feel like this is what you've been looking for? Um, or have you been doing a lot of like functional reactive programming for a while? Yeah. Uh, as I say, I've been waiting for new approach. I mean, in terms of declarative and functional approach, because you have to put all the lines to implement something. But SwiftUI gives us a lot of power. I mean, in terms of declarative way, so you just describe what you want to achieve and SwiftUI will decide how to manage it for you. So it depends on the, for example, there are some cases where you have the same view and it can behave and uh, present itself in different ways, depending on the parent container. For example, you can 
have the same view that uh, appear, appears in other way in form and in other way in list. That's really great and powerful, I think. I really, one thing that, I, yeah, I, I agree. The declarative format or the declarative programming approach is just so much easier to deal with than the imperative approach with UI kit. Um, did you do any, what did you do before Swift UI? Were you pretty much like a UI kit person, storyboards, like programming your UI completely? Did you do any reactive stuff beforehand? Yeah, I did the reactive style programming with uh, MVM, but yeah, I also use storyboards. But I think the, that declarative way is very well fitted in UI development. It might be not good for something else, but it's really great for UI development. Hello, everyone. I wanted to let you know about this year's 360 iDev. It's running this year from August 16th to the 19th. I spoke last year at this conference, and I'll be speaking again. And it has a great collection of speakers, uh, folks you probably know from the show, like Joe Chaplinsky, Steve Lipton, Ariel Michelli, and more. 360 iDev is the premier iOS, Mac, Swift developer conference. Not only does it have a great collection of speakers, but it's a great opportunity to meet some folks online who you can connect with. For listeners of the show, you can get 20% off by using the promo code WEARESWIFT. Again, simply go to 360iDev and use the promo code WEARESWIFT to get 20% off. This is a fantastic conference with a great collection of speakers and topics. I highly recommend you check this out. Where do you think declarative programming, what are some like pitfalls with declarative programming? Like the way I think about it is like HTML is a classic example of like declarative programming and how well that works. What do you think are some of the limitations that come with that approach as opposed to the imperative approach where you just like send commands essentially? So uh, actually, yeah, there is a big difference between the HTML and SwiftUI because yeah, both of them, have the same declarative way, but SwiftUI is also uh, compiled. Uh, Swift is a uh, compiled language, and we have the all the power of compiler. We can't uh, make some mistakes that we can do in HTML. I, I like just putting the P in your head or stuff like that, because uh, SwiftUI limit limited to compiler, and we have these rules. I really like that point because like that's one of the powers. Powers and a lot of complaints you might hear from Objective C folks is how strong typed Swift is. Um, it doesn't let you do stupid stuff, like you said, putting paragraphs yeah. in your header and things like that. So, one thing I want to ask is if you're going to, I guess this is an easy question, but I'm going to ask anyways. If you're going to build an app today, how do you make the decision about whether to use Swift UI? Yeah, I think I have to talk about the problems of Swift UI before starting uh, answering your question, because there is some limitations uh, in terms of navigation that we can't uh, very well manage the navigation flow in SwiftUI. And this is the main concern about it. Do you mean like the fact that navigation is so hard-coded? Is that what you're talking about? Or just managing the navigation links and the navigation view and things like that? Yeah, so the navigation is the toughest uh, point about SwiftUI. So okay. it's really hard to control it. It's really hard to design it. It's really hard to customize your navigation bar and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, break. Let's break that down a little bit further. So what? What are? So you've got 
it's hard to design for? You mean like through previews, essentially, right? Yeah. So let's me let me introduce the navigation. So how it works. Uh, right now, mostly in SwiftUI, every SwiftUI view is the function of some state. So you have state and function, which is SwiftUI view that will render it, and you have something on your screen. Uh, navigation looks like some side effect because it does not fit into general rules of SwiftUI. It just uh, work like side effects because you have some uh, navigation link it, and it somehow, somehow, we can't control it. We don't know how it works. Somehow navigate to new view. So, for example, you can't create the, for example, array of destinations of your view hierarchy, give it to SwiftUI and it will build all the view hierarchy. We can't do that. We can't pop to root controller or root view, stuff like that. We can't do that. And it's really hard to design your navigation. I mean, uh, change the colors in navigation bar and stuff. So you have to go to UI kit and somehow hack it to make it work in SwiftUI. Have you seen how like other UI paradigms like kind of follow this reactive declarative model? How do they go about it? Because like it seems like it's so easy in Swift UI to do dynamic stuff when it comes to like lists or for each and things like that. But then why is navigation some special case? Like I'm just trying to think, I've done a little bit of like Vue.js, for instance, and like it isn't a big deal, but then that might go. That might be partially because JavaScript and HTML isn't so strong typed. I don't. I don't know. Like, how can they? How? How would you propose like a solution to that? I think Apple tries to keep the uh, capability of SwiftUI with UIKit. Yeah, that's why the navigation view is baked by UI navigation controller right now, and UI navigation controller doesn't play well with the declarative way, and I expect. I actually expect that uh, the navigation changed during that, this dub dub, but it doesn't appear. So <laughs> I'm hoping for the next year. But this is something the things that should be changed because it doesn't uh, fit very well in the current way of building safety apps. What are some workarounds? I mean, if there is any uh, workarounds, like how do you get around it? So actually, uh, the workaround doesn't work last year because <laughs> there's was a lot of bugs across navigation link and navigation view itself. Right, and they but, kept changing the name. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like most of them is fixed this year. I'm checking all the feedbacks that I give to Apple, and it looks like most of them is fixed. So I'm going to investigate more into the navigation problem in, in SwiftUI, but I hope it will work. So we talked about navigation management. As far as like the new stuff with... App delegate. How? What's your approach there? Do you do you think you're going to go completely in on the at main attribute, or do you think you're going to stick with scene app delegates when you build your apps? Yeah. So at main is a new feature of Swift that allows us to mark the entry point of our apps, right? And it's I think it's created especially for Swift UI to make it possible to use this new app protocol that allows us to build all the apps in SwiftUI without the UIKit integration with AppDelegate or SynDelegate or UI hosting controller. So uh, I like its way. But yeah, there is some problems with App Protocol because it doesn't give us all the uh, callbacks of AppDelegate, like 
push notification handling. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a big deal, I would think. I I, I hadn't thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's another hack to use it. So uh, Apple introduced UI application delegate adapter. Okay. Uh, so this is a property wrapper that allows you to combine app protocol with old style app delegate. So you can actually uh, implement your push notification handling in app delegate and combine it with your app protocol. Now, how about yeah, kind of hacky? So, um, have you done any watch stuff? Yes. Exactly. Is extension delegate still required on Apple Watch apps? Uh, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> okay. I didn't check it right now, but I, as I know, no, we don't need the uh, extensions also. But you, do you need a storyboard anymore on the watch? Because that's the one operating system where a storyboard was required because they used the WatchKit hosting controller. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. As I know, we don't need it uh, this year because they show that we don't need uh, storyboards and there is the single way to build uh, apps in all platforms. So I did, actually, I will work on that. I have NabBot app, which is... Uh, Sleep tracking app, right, right, that works on Apple Watch and iOS, but I didn't work on it right now because it doesn't compile with the Xcode beta. It uses some <laughs> CoreML, which is broken right now. So I'm waiting for the next build. Yeah, but as I know, it's it is not needed. I mean, uh, extension delegates. Because that would be like the uh, the best thing is just getting rid of storyboards overall. Like that was the only spot where I needed a storyboard because of the way WatchKit was set up. Um. And then, yeah, like the, that's a great example of how we could like simplify our code and break it down a lot, a lot more. So, I guess it, maybe going back to the question, like, do you, like, let's say you get over the hurdle with navigation, what are some other concerns you might have when it comes to building a brand new app in SwiftUI? So this year we have grids, <laughs> and actually this was the. Second main concern for the cases where you have to build some collection view stuff in UIKit, and it was pretty hard to implement with SwiftUI. For example, I was working on a calendar view for SwiftUI, so it should show you some calendar grid for last two years, for example. Right. And the main problem with the uh, with that view was the stacks because stacks tries to render content immediately. And if you have really big reads like calendar where you have to show data about two years and it renders renders really slowly and consume a lot of memory. So after after this year we have actually lazy grids and lazy stacks. So it was the second main concern after navigation. I think uh, I think it is solved right now and we can pretty easily use them. That is one thing that I was surprised about with stacks is how they pretty much load everything into memory. Like that that's always been the case with a lot of the UI collection view and the UI table view, which looks like the UI table view is gonna end up getting deprecated pretty soon. It seems like that's that writing's on the wall. Um but the whole idea is like being able to reuse your cells and uh, being able to load that efficiently. So it looks like they're bringing that stuff that they had been doing with UIKit as far as loading new cells into how these lazy stacks are going to be working, more or less. Correct? 
Yeah, uh, actually, I think in the in the clarity framework, there should no any uh, definition between uh, lazy stacks or not lazy stacks. I just want to say that I have to use here stack and CFTI will decide should it be lazy or not. But I'm not sure why we have lazy stuff. I expect every stack every stack should be lazy. Actually. Well, yeah. Why do you th- do you think? Yeah, I'm curious if maybe in a few years I might deprecate one of them and everybody goes lazy. Like that does that does seem like a strange decision on their part, but maybe it's just because they didn't see the limitation of having to load so many items in your view like that. Because yeah, I mean that's that's a classic that's a classic UI paradigm is your constantly endless scrolling V stack essentially. Yeah. Like so, yeah, that does seem strange. I think actually it's because of uh, backward compatibility because uh, right now, I think that we have also iOS 14 and right now we're writing that code with stack and on iOS 14, it's lazily, works lazily and on iOS 14, it's eager and it's really hard to build your app when you don't know how it will work on iOS 13 and iOS 14. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, are you thinking when you build a new app now? Are you thinking just going all in on iOS fourteen or iOS fourteen? Yeah. Well, like, what's your decision? What's your decision process there? Uh, I think it's really hard to support both of them because it's so many uh, changes that I want to use, like lazy stacks and grids, uh, also some new geometry stuff that I won't really use in all of my apps. So I think I will uh, support iOS uh, 14, 14 without backward compatibility. Okay. If you want your app to succeed, there's never been a better time to read up on App Store optimization. And App Figures provides that just for you. As I've mentioned before, they have all these great articles and guides on App Store optimization. And you can check them out and help improve your ASO. Lately, they've also started doing teardowns of specific apps like Spotify, for instance, and show exactly how they're utilizing ASO to get the best possible download results. You can take a look at their resources page at appfigures.com resources. You can also take a look at the link in our show notes below. Try App Figures for free, and if you like it, use our special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months and increase your download numbers. Again, use our special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Thank you, App Figures, for sponsoring our show. So what are what other apps you have out now? You have CardioBot, right? And you have a sleep tracking app? Yeah, but it's a UI kit. Yes, CardioBot is a UI kit app. So I use uh, SwiftUI there all only in uh, Watch app. Okay. But right now I'm rewriting it in SwiftUI with all the new features like grids for calendars and stuff like that. That's one thing is how I felt about SwiftUI on the watch. Like if there's any platform it feels like a perfect fit for is the watch. Just because of the way, like you don't have to worry too much about like loading too many items and things like that. Like just just the ease of use and like it it's awesome now that this year they have swift ui complications which is fantastic like uh i don't know if i have any projects as far as considering like honestly my current app uh which is built in swift ui hard twitch like i i don't think i'm gonna do anything as far as the new stuff because there isn't a lot i use 
uh, Swift UI wise, but like as far as um, just developing the app and get it working, like the watch is the perfect place for Swift UI if there's any spot. Yeah, uh, I'm totally agree with you. The Apple Watch is great to use Swift UI, but also Apple TV. Okay, so yeah. have you built anything yeah. on Apple TV? Yeah, I tried to build. I actually learned something. And uh, this year, Apple presents a lot of things about Swift UI and Apple TV. So we have all the this uh, Apple TV styled controls in Swift UI. So okay. last year we didn't have it, but uh, they released this year that we have new card styled buttons and card styled controls that uh, appears native natively on uh, Apple TV. My worry about Apple TV when it comes to app developers is that they customize it a little too much. Yeah. Uh, we've heard horror stories about some of these TV apps and how uh, God awful they look on the TV because they don't really use the same paradigms. But yeah, I, I would love at some point to dabble into it. It's just, it's never been uh, something that like, there's been a few projects where it's like, yeah, I don't even have an Apple TV for one thing. So that's part <laughs> of the problem too. What's also interesting, speaking of the new stuff with Swift UI and complications, is that a lot of new stuff uh, is completely like Swift UI only. Um, and I'm thinking of widgets, right? Uh, have you done any? Have you dabbled in widgets at all in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I tried to build it actually for my uh, CardioBot app. Yeah, I'm happy to see that Apple uses uh, Swift UI in. Uh, iOS and macOS, like uh, Control Center in Big Sur and widgets in iOS. So we can't, we don't have any other way rather than Swift UI to build the widgets right now, right? So it's totally a great way to start using Swift UI and learning Swift UI. So yeah, I tried to build it for my app. It's it works pretty nice. Have you installed iOS fourteen on any of your device? Well, it sounds like at least one device, right? Yeah, I've installed it on my main iPhone. This is the one year I'm less inclined to um, just because like there isn't a lot as far as the watch stuff is concerned that, that makes me uh, desiring to install the beta right away. Honestly, it's Big Sur. That's my big temptation. I put a, another partition of Big Sur on my MacBook Pro and then I have a, a Big Sur VM. I, I started dabbling in some building an Apple Silicon stuff. I don't even want to get into that because it's like such a headache. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Big Sur is my big temptation. Have you de- uh, done anything with Big Sur lately? Nope, I didn't install Big Sur, only iOS 14 and WatchOS. But I'm going to actually install it after the first beta. Okay. What, what do you think of WatchOS 7? Is it a big change or not much? Uh, actually, in terms of uh, design, there is a lot of change. Actually, uh, Apple is not going to use Force Touch anymore. Yes, they finally yeah. got they got rid of it on the phone, and now they're getting rid of it on the watch. Actually, the I felt I missed 3D Touch. Uh, to be honest with you, but as far as Force Touch on the watch, that that's where it should have gone like gone away. I never felt like that was a good paradigm on the watch, and I understand like the idea behind it because of how small the interface is. They needed to fit more things in, but I, I'm not going to miss it on the watch. I'll definitely miss 3D touch on, on the phone. Yeah, I also enjoy Force Touch, but I feel like it's not good user experience because I use Force Touch in Sleepbot app, and uh, actually there is some concerns from my users that they don't know there is some menu 
Right. Discoverability. That's always been the problem with that. I, I completely agree. Yeah. And besides the fact that if you put all that stuff in the phone, for instance, or maybe even the watch, yeah. that means less room for battery and like harder maintenance. And I think that's there. It was a culmination of a lot of things that ended up getting rid of that feature, which, you know, it's unfortunate, but yeah. I, I can understand where they're coming from. We talked about TV. We talked about iOS. We talked about T, uh, watch. How multi-platform is SwiftUI? Do you feel confident that like, if you're going to build a Mac app, would you just go all in on SwiftUI? And like, how do you deal with like developing for multiple operating systems when you're building a SwiftUI app? Really? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. So, I built Nabot, which is sleep tracking, as I say, uh, and it works both on iOS and watchOS. So, there's I think maybe about twenty lines of code that. Uh, uses uh, platform-specific stuff. Yeah, it's basically shares all the code base. I just have a few uh, if uh, devs to check uh, platform availability about the navigation stack because we don't have it on uh, watchOS. That's it. Wow. So basically, uh, yeah, I feel very comfortable to build uh, multi-platform apps with SwiftUI. Nepa is macOS and iOS and watchOS. Is that correct? No, 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 no. No, it's it's only uh, iOS and uh, iOS and watchOS. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think it's hard to say uh, for me about macOS because I didn't build anything uh, for macOS right now, but uh, it really works great between iOS and watchOS, but there is, all, there is a lot of differences between these two platforms, right? We have so small screens oh, yeah, absolutely. on Apple Watch and we have big iPhones, but it works pretty well. I'm really happy to use, to use SwiftUI to build my iOS and watchOS apps. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's a good, it's a fun experience in a lot of ways and it gets over the burdens of storyboards and just UI code kit overall. Cool. I wanted to ask one more question uh, before we close out the first half of this interview. So if you're going to build a new app today, how would you explain to a business why or why not they should build their app in SwiftUI? Uh, you can really build an app in SwiftUI in a very fast way. Yeah. So actually, you can iterate it very fast. But there is some problems that uh, it's learning curve because it's really hard to for developers uh, change it, change the mind from UI kit to Swift UI. Yeah, because it's completely different way. And in terms of business, it's uh, there is some users behind iOS 13. Or 13, right. Yeah. So, so paying users. <laughs> and right. It's really hard to forget about them. Yeah, I've heard some download numbers. Some of the numbers are like twelve percent, ten percent are still on iOS twelve. Like that's a that's a decent chunk of your audience, if that's the case. Yeah, actually, it's a huge audience. Now, for me, as uh, indie developer, it's really easy because I I don't have enough time or money to support all the variation of iOS, and yeah. I every time support just the latest one. But in terms of business, it's really hard to. Uh, forget about the, all the users that behind this 51. Cool. Well, let's end the first part of our 
conversation right now. And we'll come back in the next episode to talk more about how to iterate over old apps and introduce SwiftUI. And then we'll get a little bit more into uh, some of the other patterns and practices and errors and testing and all that fun stuff in the next episode. Uh, Majit, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you online? Uh, so they can find me on my blog, actually swiftwithmajit.com. There's a lot of stuff about SwiftUI. There's also my weekly newsletter about SwiftUI. So people can find me there. Cool. And we'll have links to that in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode. We'll be back next week with part two of this discussion on SwiftUI with Majid. People can find me online at Dion on Twitter or BrightDigit, my company, brightdigit.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Bye.